You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Numbers chapter 16. Moses' leadership was challenged by his brother and sister in chapter 12, then again by the people in chapter 14. Now it happens again, but this time by the Levites. It's not known exactly where or when this particular event took place during the wilderness wanderings. They are not just challenging Moses, but both Moses and Aaron. The main instigators of the rebellion are Korah, who was a Levite and specifically a Kohathite. As Kohathites, they already had significant duties in the tabernacle. Aaron, Moses, and Miriam were also Kohathites because Amram was their father. So this man was their relative. The other rebels were Reubenites, Dathan and Abiram. They became insolent and rose up against Moses. So this was a well-organized uprising, and they were able to convince another 250 influential Israelite men. These were well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. There were also other Levites involved. See verse 8. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? So their argument was that by claiming the unique right and responsibility to represent the people, they were taking too much responsibility on themselves. They insisted they were all as holy as Moses and Aaron were, They envied and coveted their elevated position and wanted it for themselves. It was an attempted coup. Verses 4 through 11, Moses responds. Moses, true to form, understood what this meant and took it to God. Once again, we see his humility. He fell face down. Then he said to Korah and all his followers, In the morning, the Lord will show who belongs to him and who is holy, and he will have that person come near him. The man he chooses he will cause to come near him. You, Korah, and all your followers are to do this. Take censers and tomorrow put burning coals and incense in them before the Lord. The man the Lord chooses will be the one who is holy. You Levites have gone too far. Instead of listing the reasons why he was the better leader, he'd let God make the decision. Because it would happen the next day, they had the night to reconsider. They had claimed to be holy. Moses said God knew who was really holy and who belonged to him. He said the man he chooses he will cause to come near him. And that's the description of a priest. They draw near to God. He told them to take censers and fill them with burning coals and incense like the priests do, and God would choose which ones should be priests, although he had already done that when he separated the Levites from the other tribes and then the descendants of Aaron as priests. Then he repeated their charge back to them. They had gone too far. Then he says, Now listen, you Levites, isn't it enough for you that the Lord of Israel has separated you from the rest of the Israelite community and brought you near himself to do the work at the Lord's tabernacle and to stand before the community and minister to them? He has brought you and all your fellow Levites near himself, but now you are trying to get the priesthood too? It is against the Lord that you and all your followers have banded together. 
Who is Aaron that you should grumble against him? He asked if their great privileges and responsibilities weren't enough for them. Apparently they weren't. They wanted the priesthood too. They undervalued the privileges they already had. They coveted power and prestige. Moses told the he understood that the real rebellion wasn't against his leadership, but God's. Did they really want to make God their enemy? And then he asked why they had targeted Aaron and what had he done that they should grumble against him. They had done this before in Exodus 16:7. Verses 12 to 14, Refusal. Moses summoned the other rebels, Dathan and Abiram, but they refused. We will not come. Isn't it enough that you have brought us up out of the land, flowing with milk and honey, to kill us in the wilderness? And now you also want to lord it over us? Moreover, you haven't brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, or given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Do you want to treat these men like slaves? No, we will not come. Listen to their argument. They said Moses brought them out of Egypt, not God. And they were referring to Egypt, the land of their slavery, as a land flowing with milk and honey. They accused Moses of killing them in the wilderness, even though it was God who said he'd do that, after they wished they died in the wilderness. Moreover, they said Moses had failed in his mission to bring them into the promised land with an inheritance of fields and vineyards, and they felt as if Moses was treating them as his personal slaves. It's so easy to misrepresent the motives of another person. God had chosen Moses, when even he did not want to be a leader and made excuses. See Exodus chapters 3 and 4. But Moses was not seeking to exalt himself or Aaron. God was. Verse 15, Moses' imprecatory prayer. We've seen Moses step in between an angry God and a rebellious people many times, interceding on their behalf and successfully turning away God's wrath. But now he prays against these people. This is called an imprecatory prayer, one that invokes God to bring judgment, curses, or calamity on his enemies. There, were, there are about 20 imprecatory psalms as well. Moses became very angry at their rebellion and their accusations. So he says to the Lord, Do not accept their offering. I have not taken so much as a donkey from them, nor have I wronged any of them. He claims his innocence, not before the men, but before God who knows the true situation. He was a true servant leader. Verses 16 through 17, get ready. Moses again tells Korah what they are to do. All 250 of them are to take his censer and put incense in it. Aaron will do the same. Verses 18 through 22, God appears, Moses intercedes. So they did as commanded and stood with Moses and Aaron at the entrance to the tent of meeting. When Korah had gathered all his followers in opposition to them at the entrance to the tent of meeting, the glory of the Lord appeared to the entire assembly. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Separate yourselves from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. God knew their true motives and had already judged them. He told Moses and Aaron to step aside so they wouldn't be included in their punishment. For the second time, Moses and Aaron fell face down and cried out to God, O God, the God who gives breath to all living things, 
Will you be angry with the entire assembly when only one man sins? In spite of his earlier prayer against them, Moses now intercedes because he fears that everyone in the congregation will bear the punishment because a few people rebelled. He appealed to the God who knows all things to judge only those who sinned. Verses 23-35, to The Supernatural Punishment In response to this appeal, God answers, Say to the assembly, Move away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Moses got up and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. He warned the assembly, Move back from the tents of these wicked men. Do not touch anything belonging to them, or you will be swept away because of all their sins. So they moved away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Dathan and Abiram had come out and were standing with their wives, children, and little ones at the entrances to their tents. Then Moses said, This is how you will know that the Lord has sent me to do all these things, and that it was not my idea. If these men die a natural death and suffer the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord brings about something totally new, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them, and everything that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the realm of the dead, then you will know that these men have treated the Lord with contempt. The test of Moses' leadership and credibility would be proven if this very unique judgment took place as he said. False prophets need to be feared, since need not be feared, since what they said would not happen. Deuteronomy 18.22 If a unique supernatural event did not occur as he said, they could charge him with being an imposter. He said God would be the one to make the decision, and he did. The response was immediate. As soon as he finished saying all this, the ground under them split apart and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their households and all those associated with Korah together with their possessions. They went down alive into the realm of the dead with everything they owned. The earth closed over them and they perished and were gone from the community. In spite of how this appears, Numbers 26, 10, 11 clarifies who were the recipients of the judgment. It says, The earth opened its mouth and swallowed them, along with Korah, whose followers died when the fire devoured the 250 men, and they served as a warning sign. The line of Korah, however, did not die out. So their children were not killed. Even though these rebels were separated from the rest of their congregation, they were terrified. At their cries, all the Israelites around them fled, shouting, The earth is going to swallow us too. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense. The the main rebels were killed when when the earth swallowed them up, and the other 250 were killed by a supernatural fire, which we've seen twice before, in Leviticus 10.2 with Aaron's two sons, and in Numbers 11.2 when the people complained. Psalm 106.16-18 recalls this event. In the camp they grew envious of Moses and Aaron, who was consecrated to the Lord. The earth opened up and swallowed Dathan. It buried the company of Abiram. Fire blazed among their followers. A flame consumed the wicked. 
verses 36 through 40, Memorial Reminder. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, to remove the censers from the charred remains and scatter the coals some distance away, for the censers are holy, the censers of the men who sinned at the cost of their lives. Hammer the censers into sheets to overlay the altar, for they were presented before the Lord and have become holy. Let them be a sign to the Israelites. So Eleazar the priest collected the bronze censers brought by those who had been burned to death, and he had them hammered out to overlay the altar, as the Lord directed him through Moses. So these censers were holy because they had been used in the worship of God in the tabernacle. And this was to remind the Israelites that no one except a descendant of Aaron should come to burn incense before the Lord, or he would become like Korah and his followers. So this was a negative who could not approach God. Verses 41 through 45, Complaints of the People The next day the whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. You have killed the Lord's people, they said. Did you catch that time reference? The next day. Instead of bringing about repentance, this punishment only led to more complaining against Moses. God had clearly killed those rebels, but they blamed it on Moses. Instead of being responsible for the deaths, as if they were able to open up the ground and swallow them up, Moses' intercession spared most of them from the same punishment. Then they gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and turned toward the tent of meeting. Suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. The cloud is always associated with the presence of God. Then Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of meeting and the Lord said to Moses, Get away from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. And they fell face down. This is the third time they fell face down in this chapter. Verses 46 to 50, Plague and Intercession. Then Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer and put incense in it, along with burning coals from the altar, and hurry to the assembly to make atonement for them. Wrath has come out from the Lord. The plague has started. Incense was symbolic of prayer. So Aaron did as Moses said, and ran into the midst of the assembly. The plague had already started among the people, but Aaron offered the incense and made atonement for them. He stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. But 14,700 people died from the plague, in addition to those who had died because of Korah. Then Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance to the tent of meeting, for the plague had stopped. Sin spreads and multiplies. Resentment and opposition to leadership is a universal human failing. Just a few ringleaders began it, but thousands died as a result. When we see a number like 14,700 plus 250 plus Korah and the others, or approximately 15,000 people, and it seems excessive to us, we need to remember that all the people complained and rebelled, but God in his mercy spared most of them. Whenever we think God's punishments are harsh, it's because we don't understand the greatness of his holiness and the depth of our own sinfulness. And in spite of all the deaths that will be recorded during the wilderness wanderings and the number of Israelites in the first and second census are virtually the same. 
At Mount Sinai, there was an earthquake and fire. Now we see it again. In this chapter, the punishment for rebellion included a fissure, a fire, and a fever. The lesson from this event is recorded in 1 Corinthians 10.10. And do not grumble, as some of them were, and were destroyed. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the Gospel do we find in this chapter? The people rebelled against Moses and Aaron's leadership, which was appointed by God. We are rebels to Jesus' lordship over our lives and those he has placed in authority over us, so his wrath against us is just. Even though Moses could have gloated when God vindicated him, he instead interceded for the rebels. Jesus made atonement for our sins and forgave us even when we were his enemies. Because Aaron stood as mediator between the living and the dead, the plague stopped. His priesthood typified Christ's. <clears throat> Jesus is our mediator, saving us from the second death. He is the only one anointed and qualified to save us. The concept of the wrath of God is maligned. Most would rather speak of his love, but without it, his mercy is not seen as it should be. We are all objects of wrath by nature, and were it not for his mercy, we would have no hope. After the earth swallowed up the rebels, everyone else feared for their lives. But it is not the manner of our death that we should fear, but God, who after he has killed, is able to cast into hell. You've been listening to the Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Numbers chapter 17. May God bless the study of his word.